We will kick off today's episode with our guest speaker pitching why you should listen to our podcast and follow our journey. Let's get started, folks. So in general, I think you should seek knowledge. The Green Roof is trying to make progress. We're trying to improve SIU's campus. We're trying to improve what we know about green energy, renewable energy, whatever you want to call it. But we're also seeking to satisfy our curiosity for like what ways can it be done? What ways can this be improved? We have a great deal of different majors or different people or different uh, geographic locations amongst our team. And that provides us a wide variety of opinions, a wide variety of perspectives. That's something that I think we can offer anyone. If they looked at our team, they look into our ideas, our sites. That's something I think that we really have to offer. And every single one of these podcasts, I'm willing to bet, is going to be vastly different. That's why I think that people should watch it. Welcome to an episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Earth team of Southern Illinois University Carbondale. We are a cross-university team of young, innovative minds positively impacting the landscape of SIU Carbondale through promoting and installing clean energy. Here, we are highlighting our team's activities and impact through our members, sponsors, and supporters, as well as discussing a new, interesting topic. So buckle up, because we are driving to a more sustainable future. Today, we are speaking with Zachary Bale. Would you like to share a bit about yourself with the audience, who you are, where you're from, some of your interests? I'm Zach Bull. I'm a senior mechanical engineer. I like to do a lot of things around. So I'm from around Carbondale, so my family is in the area. So I get to spend a bit of time with them over the summer. I also like to, you know, spend time at my house. I've got my cat, so my, the laziest roommate ever. I've got uh, a lot of time that I spend reading or watching TV or working out. I'm, I'm also taking a couple, well, A class over the summer. So that's where most of my time goes to. I'm excited for our audience to hear your story. So uh, kicking it off, how did you become involved with the Green Roof team? So Nelson, you started the Green Roof and you told me about it. I've always wanted to do things that were renewable. To me, it makes a lot more sense to improve our world and get our dependence away from things that require us to do drilling or welling or whatever it is. Even if it were, even if it were infinite as a source or a resource, the sun is right there at all times. The wind is right there at all times. We need to be able to collect that and harness that energy that's already available to us. If we get better at that, we won't need to spend nearly as much time doing a lot of different things. Being able to have those alternative sources will help decrease our use of like non-renewables, help decrease carbon emissions, and help us have a brighter and greener future ahead of us. So in the mechanical engineering spectrum, there's like the thermal side of it, the mechanical analysis side of it. Um, What sparks your interest? So I'm best actually at uh, thermal or energy uh, portions of it, but I actually specifically want to do mechanical analysis, designing. Uh, I I personally want to make different gadgets or gear and start patenting those and sell those patents to other companies. That's what my goal would be. So like a mini, like Tony Stark, Iron Man? 
Yes, honestly, I, I the way I describe mm -hmm. it to people is uh, Lucius Fox, the one that designs Batman's gear. So I, I can't be Batman, but I can be the next best thing, which would be the guy that designs all the cool things he uses. So how do you see uh, that end, end goal in your life and passions interwine with the uh, Green Roof team? Well, honestly, I, I see, A, just that there's going to be physical manifestations of whatever it is that captures the energy, whether it's a windmill or a solar panel that needs the frames for it or anything like that. It, it overall is something that you have to use your imagination for, and that's why I like those types of gadgets. It's, it's using your imagination to, to me, engineering is problem solving. At its base level, it's solving problems, and that's the part of it that I love. That's why it sparks my interest for gadgets is they're novel things that you can solve. I, I The way it lines up for me is the Green Roof Project has a lot of things that we can use novel solutions to, to find better results or new results that other people haven't yet. It, and that's what research, that's what any sort of progress is going to be built on is new ways of looking at things. Most definitely being able to have that progress and the mindset to create a vision, then build a team around it and help develop it further. So can you talk a bit about the process with the team over the year, especially being a re remote team? We spent a great deal of time talking about different ideas, different ways that we could go about looking at the problems. And some of it was us just figuring out what the issues were, what hurdles we faced in general. But like once we got to that point, we started getting a lot of ideas out there. And I, I loved that because I, I'm pretty decent at coming up with ideas, but where I think my skills shine is I can see the value in other people's ideas and I'm very good at combining ideas with each other so that you can find something, some sort of middle ground that'll be, give you the best of both worlds. Uh, it, it definitely also, a, a large portion of what we did was assessing the ideas that we did come up with and finding the pros and cons of that. I, again, I, I genuinely love doing that because it lets you find out, it gives you new perspectives on your ideas or someone else's ideas that you never would have thought of on your own. And, and because of that, because we acted as a team for, for doing that, we we saw a lot of things that we would have overlooked had we not acted as a team. And thinking back to the year, I remember you're quite hands-on with the ballast system and how we went about it from a physical standpoint. Could you talk a bit more about the different methods and solutions we had to housing the turbine down and then what the final solution was and how it looks up close in person? Our first idea that we really wanted to do is use uh, guy wires. So wires to keep it down, they would be anchored to the roof, but we ran into the issue of they didn't want us drilling into the roof. They didn't want us making anything that was permanent. So then we had to get creative. How are we gonna keep this from tipping over? And we had a lot of ideas, uh, you know, because it, it's, we need weight and we need distance from the center to prevent it from falling. That's what we needed. So we had to find a middle ground. Should we get really a really wide ballast and then we only have to put a few pounds on each end of it? Or should we get 
a really small one with a lot of weight on it. We end up going with somewhere in between where we've got, so it's three foot diameter uh, with a few sandbags on top of it. And at first we were trying to figure out how to get the weight on it. Sandbags was a good idea. So a, a lot of it was we, we just spitballed those ideas until we end up coming up with the current one. We have sandbags on it because they're weatherproof. They hold the weight really well. We don't have to worry about that. We're able to tie them to it. We're able to tie them to each other. Uh, so there's very little chance of this this turbine falling over barring tornado force winds. So, which I'll be honest, I don't expect it to survive that type of thing anyways. Over the course of the last year, is there any other aspect of the team you would like to talk about from like the teamsmanship to seeing it come to flourish in at the end you would like to add on before we moved into the uh, topic of discussion? Yeah, so I'd say that a lot of uh, what we did was team building, just in general. And uh, this one I'm going to take from Doc. For, so Dr. Durant, for those who don't know him, is you build a team before you build a product because it, it genuinely does help you out. We we built our we built our team. We focused on getting some relationships. We focused on putting together our ideas and doing as much as we could to help each other, because having that let us work together more easily. It made us more comfortable with telling someone, "I'm not sure that idea is the best." If you don't know people well, you're you're going to have trouble telling someone when you think their idea is. Not necessarily wrong, but that they need to look at it from a different perspective. Being able to give input, true, honest input, is genuinely something that will propel a team forward. And I, I think that we did a, a great job of focusing on those relationships so we got comfortable enough to do those things. That, that to me, is what's helped us succeed and what will help us succeed. We None of us have much experience with turbines or solar panels or anything of this sort but because we've built that foundation of a team the rest is going to fall into place i couldn't agree more build the team we have one strong team from students from all different backgrounds different areas of the country and come together and make cool stuff come to life and we did and we will do even more next year so for today's uh discussion. Do you have a topic in mind you'd like to share from a lesson you've learned to a topic you've been researching about, learning about? And as a heads up to all of our audience members, we're no experts here. We're just young, innovative minds who love discussing ideas and sharing ideas. Yeah, so uh, the biggest thing for me in life is it's intellectual humility. So to give a preface on like why it's important to me is I've spent my entire life very good at building connections with people. I make friends with people very quickly and I make deep connections with them very quickly. And I've never really understood why that is. So I've always, I've always been fascinated by what, what builds empathy with people, what, what makes those connections. And, and that's one thing that's always driven me and I, I wasn't deliberate about it when I was younger, but I've gotten to the point where I am. And that's one thing that I, I genuinely love is 
finding ways to build teams, build connections, not just between yourself and others, but between groups of people. And intellectual humility is something I had thought of, I had kind of conceptualized, but I didn't know that there was a name for it. I didn't know there was a thing of, that it would explained it. And in essence, to, to me, a lack of intellectual humility was what I noticed and always noticed was the cause of a lot of breakdowns in relationships or a lot of tension within teams or groups. So w when I found out about it, I dived in. Uh, about It was about a year ago that I found out about intellectual humility. I was actually bored at work and we were waiting on something to get done. So I started looking for different topics of things I could read on articles. Uh, I found intellectual humility and it, it's just something that's really brilliant. Uh, here's the definitions. Uh, Intellectual humility is often described as an intellectual virtue, along with other perceived virtues such as open-mindedness, intellectual courage and integrity, and in contrast to proposed intellectual vices such as pride and arrogance. Uh, in essence, and in layman's terms, intellectual humility is the ability to separate your ideologies for, from who you are as a person. You still have your beliefs, you still have the ideas that you do, the thing is that you don't think that they define you as a human being. That's incredible. And that's a topic I have not looked too deeply into. But now hearing about it, it makes me think about my own life and how early on I was either too gullible or too arrogant on such topics. But over time, I began understanding who I am and what makes me me, what my values are, and be able to solidify what I believe in and be able to have meaningful conversations with others about different topics while holding my own ground and my own belief system while also learning with that continuous growth mindset. So have you seen this in action recently? We've all had like bad bosses or, you know, bad experiences with people or things like that. And often like the psycho psychology, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, behind it is that we, we have an idea and we we always think that or we talk about versatility being a great thing in society as a whole we talk about uh, being versatile as a person being able to be flexible within like situations is a strong great aspect of you to have contradiction of that lies in people that change their minds are weak or don't know what they're talking about or don't have don't have their themselves rooted much in their ethics. And that, that's a huge contradiction because if you're, you're given new information, new knowledge, you need to be, be willing to change. So experience wise, uh, from having bad experiences with people, you propose an idea. You, you propose an idea and you say, yeah, this is my idea. Someone tells you this isn't a good idea because of this. And you, you double down. In, instead of turning, changing your, your idea or your opinion. So that's something that I, I think I haven't personally experienced this recently, like in, in real life, but I did watch is a video that was talking about it. It's a, a Ted talk where she, she wasn't talking about intellectual humility, or I don't think she realized she did, but in essence, she was a feminist who, you know, obviously she wanted to empower women and everything like that. 
but she hated uh, she hated male rights activists, hated them, thought any time that they were, and why? It's because she thought that she lacked that intellectual humility. She thought if you want like rights for men, you are against rights for women. And she actually started, she shot a documentary. I, I forget the name of it, but her name was uh, Cassie J. And in essence, so this documentary started off as she interviews people, they're male rights activists, and she she sets forward her goal of making them look bad. That That's her whole thing is she wants to show that they're evil, that they want women to lack resources. She They want to get rid of women's, uh, is it women's shelters and things like that. So that that's what she's trying to show. But by spending so much time with them, she gained empathy for them. And, and because of that, she gained that intellectual humility. She started assessing it and saying, they're actually not saying they want anything, in, women to lose any resources. They're just saying that men deserve certain things. So, and, and then she went on to list a slew of different things that men go through. She said, I never saw that as an actual thing. I always just thought people were complaining. But because I was willing to step back from that, my ideas, my ideologies, I was willing to change my mind about that. And she released the documentary and it was not saying, like it didn't turn her into a men's rights activist by any means, but it did make it to where she was willing to see the other side and willing to, willing to show their story as their story instead of, you know, just a smear campaign. Uh, that, that's something that like it, it's generally powerful because intellectual humility is something most people lack or most people have a low level of but it's something we can increase by experiencing new things by traveling going into ways of improving intellectual humility what are other ways do you think the common person in a day-to-day -day life can go about it so one thing is to focus on the words you use when you talk. Okay, so first you have to be willing to talk with people that disagree with you. That, that's the first step automatically. You have to expose yourself to ideas that you disagree with, that you don't believe in. And you don't have to start believing those ideas by any means. You just have to get to the point and, and you, it will take progress. So it's like working a muscle. The point where you're willing to talk to them about it and disagree without, even in your mind, without out loud or in your mind saying to yourself, how can you believe that? Because right there, that's dehumanizing them. What that's saying is you would have to be an idiot to disagree with me. And it's not, partially it's dehumanizing them, but there's a reason it's called intellectual humility. Because you're being, you're being conceited by saying that I am so smart that someone would have to be dumb to disagree with me, to have a different opinion than me, right? So it's working on those little things. And it's very difficult because it's human nature to assume that you're right because you're living your life based on your morals, your ethics, your code. So if you were to think that you're wrong, then that means in your head, that means that you were living your life wrong. Would it be wrong to say, I was wrong? Or should you avoid admitting you're wrong? No, by no means. That That's uh, one of the things I was talking about uh, earlier is there's always that contradiction. You should be willing to change your mind, 
But when people change their minds, often people are like, oh, so you never believed this or this. The, that, that's why I hate, everyone hates politicians or politics in general, right? Like it, it, as a whole, people just don't like it. And a large portion of that is because in debates, let's say, if somebody says one thing and then 10 years later they have a different opinion, that will get thrown in their face. If in 10 years I have the same exact opinions in every category, I've not grown as a person. But for some reason, they, they have that thrown in their face as if that's a weakness, as if that's something that's wrong with them. You, you should be willing to change your mind. And being willing to change your mind, being willing to admit that you're wrong, to me, that's a huge sign of maturity and, like, and intellectual humility. So essentially, it's about being confident with who you are and your own thoughts, while also being able to doubt your own thoughts in order to have that continuous mindset. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's, I, I have to look up real quick who it is that said this. But one of my favorite quotes is, I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. And that is, is a powerful quote to me. You know, I, I would rather not like, you know, let's say theory of gravity, right? It's, we know the gravity is a thing, but it's still a theory, right? Because even though we know it's a thing, we acknowledge that we have been wrong about these types of things before as a scientific community or anything like that as a, hu as a human race. We've been wrong about a lot of things. That, that, that's something I, I genuinely enjoy is that even if we know we're right, we know we could be wrong. And by doing that, like you, you build into yourself that confidence that you were talking about, but you also leave that back door for, uh, like saying I could be wrong, but, and then technically you're always right because you were right that you could have been wrong. That, that's actually, I'm not joking. That's actually a tip that, that works for you too. If you, as if, if you say that I could be wrong, but, and then you'll never be wrong. One thought I did have while we're conversing here is how do you find ways of separating your ego and what you believe from being able to have that continuous growth then? My mind, a lot of it is empathy again. So mm -hmm. if you look at history and your, your own lives, you'll mm -hmm. see that a lot of atrocities or a lot of horrible things have been said or done by dehumanizing people, right? You know, like the Nazis in Germany, they found a way to make people genuinely not have any empathy for someone because of their religion. They found a way of doing that. And because of that, they were able to do horrible things and they were able to get other people to do horrible things. So th that to me is a big thing is if you have empathy and you keep that in mind, even if you dislike someone, even if you think they do awful things, even if you think they're a bad person, if you can keep a minimal level of empathy for someone, you can, you can have a lot more intellectual humility. You can find a way to separate yourself from that because then people that you disagree with, if you can do that with people you think are awful human beings, you can do that with someone that has a different opinion on border control than you do. You can do that at with people that have a different opinion on abortion than you do. These are all very important topics. And to be able to make any actual progress as a society, 
We have to be able to talk to, the, to each other in a serious manner without being insulted, without being offended. Because again, if we stay quiet, how, we talk, how I talked about us building the team so that we would be willing to give genuine input, if we didn't have that, we would make progress on the green roof. We need that to make progress on the big issues that our societies face. Because if we, if we never make progress on those, it's going to be the same talking points in politics and our everyday lives for the next 20 generations. We, we need to find ways to make progress. And with that, we conclude our episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof Team. Special thanks to your sponsors, the SIU Research Park, Energy at SIU, SIU Sustainability Office's Green Fund Grant, the University Innovation Fellows, CH Electrical, Entertech, Raz Coatings, AES Solar, Sprag Supply Group, H&F Visions, Silvix Forestry and Nursery, Nether Chance Studios, Climate Economy Action Network, and many more. And please visit our website for more information and follow us on social media. Stay sustainable, folks.